really had a focus where our Lord has been truly calling us to come to him persistently with all of our brokenness and all of our woundedness, crying out for that which we could never earn and deserve, the very mercy of God for the healing of our souls. And we know that when we come to Christ our God and our healer, he heals those who come repentantly, desiring his mercy and desiring his healing. Today we go to another side of this healing. It truly is part of our healing. But today the message comes to us to remember that as we come to our Lord for healing, and he indeed does come and touch us and heal our lives, we are being made whole. We are touched by the healer to become vessels of healings to this world. To bring the healing work that Jesus Christ has done in our lives to this world so in desperately need of. And today we have the parable of the Good Samaritan from the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 10. And what an incredible parable this is. Because in this parable it truly shows us both who our Lord Jesus Christ is in his nature. But it also shows us who we have been recreated to be. To be able to grow in his likeness and also to be like him in what we see in this blessed parable. It's also interesting to note that this parable comes on the heels of a very important event in the life of the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ with their Lord. And also one of his most profound teachings. Now, the event that precedes the telling of the parable of the Good Samaritan is when our Lord Jesus Christ sends out the 70. Now, you'll remember this. Our Lord Jesus Christ, and the first part is very important, it says that he empowers them. Our Lord Jesus Christ empowers his 70 disciples. And then he sends the 70 two by two into all of the towns and the villages into which our Lord Jesus Christ is about to go. But here's what he tells them as he empowers them. And they receive the Holy Spirit upon themselves. He tells them, speak peace to every home that will have you. Now listen to this. This is what he tells the disciples. Go and heal the, all of the sick that are there. And tell them that the kingdom of God has drawn so very near to you. Now picture yourself as one of the 70 disciples. You journeyed with our Lord Jesus Christ for a bit of time. And our Lord Jesus Christ says, receive the Holy Spirit and tells you, go and heal everyone that comes near you. Think about what might be going through your mind at that point. What I will tell you is that these disciples had faith enough in seeing the healing work of our Lord Jesus Christ and the miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ that when he gave them the Holy Spirit for that moment and they went, they followed his commands. They went out two by two declaring the peace of God to everyone who would hear it, that the kingdom of God has come near. And they demonstrated that the kingdom of God has come here because they come back rejoicing because everyone they went to that was sick the Lord healed them through the disciples. And they even say to the Lord, even the demons had to submit to us in your name when we came against them. And our Lord Jesus Christ rejoices, it says. This is his goal. This is his desire. And he rejoices. He says, I know. I saw Satan fall like lightning. What is he telling them? I may have not been physically with you, but I was with you. In fact, I was doing all this. In. 
My friends, it's a picture of the church. It's a foretaste of Pentecost and beyond, when all Christians would receive the Holy Spirit and be sent all over the world to represent His kingdom, to bring the kingdom of God very tangibly near to those who have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And so He sends out the 70 in this happened. Right after he sends out the 70 and they return, we're told that a lawyer came to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, a lawyer in this case is not someone of a courtroom. When the scriptures call this person a lawyer, this is a man of the law of God. A man who thoroughly understands the law of Moses. And he comes to Jesus Christ with the most important question. In fact, our ears ought to perk up when this question is asked. Because if this, is, this question is asked of Jesus and then he gives an answer. We might want to know the answer. The question was this from the lawyer. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now don't you think whatever comes out of Jesus' mouth next, we ought to hang on completely. Because this is about how we shall inherit eternal life. And what does our Lord Jesus Christ tell the lawyer? He says the summary of the law that we hear every Mass. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. In other words, love the Lord thy God with absolutely everything that you are in response to the incredible love of God that you've received. Love God with all you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now the lawyer trying to justify himself before the Lord, he said the Lord. Then who is my neighbor that I might do these things? Who's my neighbor? And that's when our Lord Jesus Christ gives him the parable of the Good Samaritan that we'll now attend to. That parable goes like this. A man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I want to stop there for one moment. I want you to understand the geographic scene that everyone would have understood when Jesus said this. When he said a man came down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, he literally would have to come down because Jerusalem was built on a mountain at an elevation almost 2,600 feet. Jericho is in, the, is in the deepest valley of that whole region, standing at 800 feet. And it's not that great of a distance from Jerusalem. So the man, he says, came down from Jerusalem to Jericho and is met with thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and left him half dead. Now a priest came by and saw him, but he totally ignored the man, totally indifferent to the man's suffering. And the priest even walks on the other side of the road so as not to go near this wounded and broken soul. And then we're told a Levite came by as well, and he did the same thing. With indifference in his heart, he completely skated by this man who was deeply wounded. But then a Samaritan, and it's fascinating that our Lord throws the Samaritan as the good guy. Why? Because Samaritans were thought of to all the Hebrew ears that he was speaking to as at best second class citizens on the earth. At worst, hardly even human. They really looked down upon the, the Samaritan people. And yet Jesus says that a Samaritan came by. Someone not well thought of by all of you. And he had compassion on the man. And he bandaged his wounds, pouring interestingly oil and wine. And he set him on his animal and he brought him to an inn and there he cared for him for a bit. 
But then the man had to leave. When the man had to leave, he gave finances to the innkeeper to continue for the care of the man. And said, whatever you pay and whatever you spend beyond this, I will repay you in full when I return. I want to give to you what the church has handed down as the most traditional and the most consistent interpretation of the parable of the prodigal son. Because my friends, it has to do with the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it has to do with him sharing that divine nature and his ministry of salvation with us. Here's what the fathers have handed down to us. They say that the man going down, remember, from that great height of Jerusalem to the lowest point of Jericho is the fall of man from paradise. What is Jericho? The city of God. Peace. And he goes down and he descends towards Jericho. And there as he descends, who are the thieves that, that wound him? That rob him, that steal and leave him half dead, Satan and all the demonic. For this is exactly what they did to mankind. When, God, when mankind, Adam and Eve, were tempted in the garden and deceived, not only deceived to disobey God, but also deceived to walk in such shame that when God came calling for them, they hid themselves from God. And in doing so, neglected the mercy of God, neglected obedience to God. And therefore, they lost paradise. And when they lost paradise, what was stripped from them? Just like the man was stripped and left half dead, they dwelled being covered in the radiant glory of God Almighty in the garden. They lost their raiment. Like Jesus says in his parable, the man lost his raiment and was left half dead, not fully human. So it was with us, this is exactly what we have inherited through Adam and Eve. But then we have a Samaritan come along. And who is the Samaritan? Look at the front of your bulletins. Because you have on the front of your bulletin an icon of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who do you see as the Good Samaritan? Our Lord Jesus Christ. The fathers teach us that the Samaritan in this story is indeed our Lord Jesus Christ. And think about why. Samaritan was the least of humans according to the Hebrews. And our Lord Jesus Christ condescended not only to take on our humanity to become one of us, but he came to become one of the least of us. And he demonstrates that if you remember in the washing of his disciples' feet where he takes on the garment of the lowly servant. And presents the true nature of love and service to his disciples. And washes their feet and calls them to do the same. So our Lord Jesus Christ is the Samaritan who finds the man who had fallen. And he begins to heal the man who has fallen. How is he healing him? Pouring out what? Oil and wine. What do you think that represents? The sacraments of the Lord's holy church. Stuff of earth. That our Lord would separate unto himself and bless and make holy for the healing and the regeneration of the human person. He pours oil and wine. Then he takes him to an end. The end, my friends, is the church, the fathers teach us, as well as the innkeeper. It is those of us living stones that receive that which Christ brings to us. 
And we receive them in and we become vessels to continue the healing work of God. And how? The Samaritan gives finances to the innkeeper. The church fathers say that the finances that the innkeeper gave is the grace of God that the Lord has given his church to continue to spend through themselves for the continued healing of all human persons that come into the ark of salvation. This is what the church, we are told, is to be. St. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. He says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and, listen, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins against them, and has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of salvation that Christ did while upon the earth we have become sharers of in the church. Again, my friends, we are a people who are healed to become vessels of healing and salvation for all of the broken that come in, that have been damaged by those thieves and become half than what God had created them to be so much lesser. I want to read to you two quotes. And I read these two quotes last year. I'm sure you've memorized them and remember them. But I'll read them to you again just to be safe. But they're so beautiful in how they paint the picture of how our Lord sees his church. And the beautiful purposes for which God has to do with his church. The first one comes from Dr. Kyriakos Marquides. He was an Orthodox professor of sociology at the University of Maine, and he wrote a book called Gifts from the Desert. And in that book, he refers to this parable, and here's what he says. The church was created for purely therapeutic purposes, for healing the split between us and God. The church takes the fallen, takes the sick, and confused human beings who suffer from all sorts of destructive passions and sins, and with its very tangible therapeutic methods, helps them to attain to real health. Listen to St. Nikolai Vrinorivoc. He was a bishop in Serbia during the Second World War. He saw so much of human atrocities of what the Nazis did to the Jews. Listen to what he writes about the church in this regard. He says, what is the church if not a place where the sick meet their physician? Those sick from sin come to confess their sickness to God the physician and to find medicine and healing from him who is the true healer from all human suffering and weakness. And he is the giver of all good Friends, what our Lord wants us to really examine this morning, to see very clearly, but also to go from here to investigate more from Him, to ask Him, what does this mean about me? Look again at your bulletin. In every action of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the iconography of the church, Jesus Christ is doing every healing work and act. 
And what our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to see clearly today is this. That as we have experienced the healing of God and the love of God in our lives, we as Christ's holy church begin, become every action of divine healing. Vessels set apart from God, much like the sacrament, stuff of earth that has been set aside and blessed for God's holy and righteous salvific use in the souls of mankind. That each one of us, when I look at you and when you look at me, we must see in one another as the living stones. That each one is a vessel of divine healing to the human soul. Whether it's the miraculous or the merciful. We are the ones who are growing in the likeness of God by our own healing. To go to all of those who have fallen from, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho in the fall that suffer from having been stripped of the radiant glory of God and become half human compared to what our Lord has created us to be, that we become the vessels for everyone that comes to Christ's holy church, vessels of healing who have experienced divine healing. Ask the Lord continuously, show me what this means. And let our minds and our hearts and our souls be open to the guidance and wisdom of the Holy Spirit because this is Christ's true purpose in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.